right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we got another great guest uh, for you guys today, Lucas Demos, aka Blockchain Boy. Uh, welcome. How's things going by you, man? You know what? Things are going great, man. Thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, we're excited. I mean, you you've built yourself what I would refer to as a as an empire. Um, you you basically. Uh, cornered the market of Gen Z's crypto intelligence. Uh, you've built a huge media firm. Uh, a lot of people look to you as the source of information. Um, hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube, lots of engagement. Um, so, so before we even dive into to your thoughts on the industry and, and where this is all going, I, I want to kind of get to the core of who you are. Um, how did you, you know, I think you're 23 or 24. I mean, you're a young 21. stud in the industry. I'm 21? 21. Yeah, 21. Yeah, I mean, how, how'd you build this huge empire at such a young age, and, and what's driving you, man? You know, it's funny you say that, because a lot of people all the time are like, you know, oh, so you're in the like the NFT or crypto industry or Web3 or this and that. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm in the empire business. So I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the opening there, because I'm, I'm so much more than just crypto. Uh, I do a lot of stuff on the side, but we'll get into that, you know? I mean, I've been in crypto as a hobby, as like something on the side since 2017 when I was 16 years old in high school. And uh, I got to shout out my mom. I always do that. Shout out my mom for putting me on a Bitcoin. Mm. She had a client of hers who's like one of those real libertarian guys, like super anti-government. And he was into Bitcoin <laughs> since like 2014, 2013. And he's telling her all these years to get into Bitcoin. And so she knew I was like, you know, always down to make money. I was always hustling as a kid. I had little business cards where I do like I'd clean your trash or, you know, root a stump or mow your lawn, whatever it was. So she, you know, you know, she saw that and was like, well, maybe, you know, Bitcoin is cool because I was also really into programming at the time. Uh, not so much these days, but that was kind of like a hobby back then. You know, I wrote viruses to destroy people's computers. I thought it was funny. Um, and so <laughs> was Bitcoin funny. was like a, an intersection between the two hobbies I had. Right. And um that was kind of all I did. My grades went nosedived after that. I mean, I was never a great student. I've always passed my tests really well, but like homework and stuff. Yeah, and I never did uh, I never did anything after that. It was all crypto. So I ran up a bag to like six figures. And after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and I lost it all in true crypto fashion first time around. And uh, I kind of stuck in the industry professionally, too. I uh, started going to meetups, startup company stuff. Uh, here in Orlando, a lot of stuff over by UCF downtown, mm. um, and you know I would like put on a put on a suit, my little button up. You know, sometimes I wear a tie. Never again. Um, and so I'd go, you know, make connections and stuff. And so my first crypto startup was was kind of in 2018, 2019. Um, you know, I spoke at my first event in DC at you know 18, 19 in DC, um, which was really cool. It's like only like 100 people in the room, but super cool. Been into crypto since you know. 17 professionally since 18 and it's all i've known yeah and and you really jumped on the tiktok train and i don't even know if you could call it for you like jumping on the train it was just kind of a part of who you are right i think a lot of older folks are like how do we how do we figure out the tiktok thing you've got half a million followers on tiktok w what was it like building that experience and how did you know that that was kind of the platform for your audience to connect on total accident actually i really didn't like tiktok um never installed it until like maybe Christmas 2019 or no, no, sorry, Christmas 20, 2020. No, this was, I, I think I made my first video January, 2021. So it would have been like late 2020. 
kind of when things started lifting up from the pandemic. Because I always thought it was Chinese garbage, you know, like, (laughs) uh, you know, I didn't want to I didn't want to install on my phone. But my buddy took me to a seafood boil and we're sitting in the seafood boil with like, you know, like dripping in sauce. And he's showing me these TikToks and it's just the funniest (laughs) thing. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so funny. Um, And so we were working on Kryptonite, which was initially um, just a trading bot company. We were working on a trading bot. Obviously, we never launched that. It didn't go end up being that. But TikTok was like a way of marketing. and I looked into it as that. And so I just kind of messed around and posted a few videos for fun. Obviously, we didn't end up using it for TikTok marketing, but I started posting videos for myself and blew up with the whole GameStop thing. Um, and I kind of I saw that most people on TikTok didn't know about crypto. This was back before anybody was on TikTok. It was like me and five other people. And um, so that, that kind of helped being a first mover by accident. And so it kind of just rolled into this huge thing. And, you know, by this flying by the seat of our pants that first year, it made a lot of mistakes, learned a lot, grew a lot. But now we're here, I suppose. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, there's a lot of uh, conversation in my generation. You know, I'm almost 40 now. And the hot topics are financial inclusion, privacy, things of that nature. You know, we're really excited about real world assets coming on chain. That's what excites uh, us geezers in the crypto space. What about you, though? What are the hot topics that you and your friends and your peers are talking about? I mean, so I'll say this. Um, There's a lot of, I suppose... Uh, mixed feelings between like young people and crypto. Uh, some people in this generation embrace it and see the potential. Some people like really hate NFTs, really hate crypto, and they actively pr- pray against its downfall. So, you know, you have to know your crowd. But for the people who are into crypto, a lot of people are into NFTs. A lot of people are into meme coins and gambling, um, <laughs> you know, which is definitely I have an audience there. I'm not a meme coin guy, but I do enjoy a nice gamble. Um, but no, for me, <laughs> for me, it's a lot about uh, sort of educating the general public and and educating people who are new to it, people who are into crypto. I mean, we're mostly talking about like new chains and stuff that I'm excited about, new ecosystems. We've been hopping into like ICP and the Radix ecosystem, um, mm. been interviewing a lot of people on our channel. So some pretty cool stuff, like like I would say more mainline, like actual industry professional stuff. Uh, but we do have fun sometimes and and mess around with like crypto casinos or, you know, we'll go buy some NFTs. And, you know, I've, I've worked and advised for so many NFT projects and, uh, you know, some have done really well. Some have done okay. Some have completely destroyed themselves. It's been quite a, quite a, an experience in this industry. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's so many different uh, angles that you could attack. And uh, I, I think it's great that you've got a, a broad audience uh, and a lot of different things to talk about, because as you said, the industry is as broad as, uh, you know, some gambling on the, the far right side and then, you know, genuine investing for the future of finance on the far left side or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you got to you know have fun, but keep it light and keep it educational. Um, do you have any like out of the gate, some like one oh one level uh, nuggets of wisdom for, from your sort of uh, time in the space that you would give to a crypto one one listener who, you know, maybe they're listening to this podcast for the first time, just figuring out about blockchain. What's like a a nice word of wisdom from from all the years. Sure. I mean, I'd say stay very open-minded. Realize that a lot of information is being pushed to you uh, as an agenda, either whether it's marketing or someone who has a, an ulterior motive. Stay, stay, you know, very skeptical. Obviously, don't give people money that, you know, seems suspicious or too good to be true. Um, and uh, really, go use the tech that you're investing in. There's no point investing in this tech if you're not going to hop on at least make a MetaMask and use it, right? Uh, that's kind of what I tell people is just don't like 
don't just read about it. Don't just like passively invest. If you're gonna use, if you're gonna invest in Ethereum, you, you have to use it and understand it. Because um, I feel like there's a lot of people investing a lot of money that they don't understand what they're actually putting it into, and that's been like one of the biggest struggles for me as like an educator in the finance space. You mentioned you advise several projects with a lot of varying results. What are some of the things that you would recommend as a key to success for just about anyone to connect with the Gen Z audience versus some things that you saw many failures do over and over, and that was the cause of their demise? Give us some words of wisdom and words of warning. Sure, yeah. So for founders and stuff, you know, I've worked a lot with Dowmaker and uh, joint ventured with a, with a launch pad on the BSC uh, called Affinity Pad and, and then done stuff on the side for other projects. Um, I think, you know, authenticity really sells and you have to be able to communicate effectively for which platform you're on. Um, a lot of people tend to think that, you know, oh, we're just going to make a marketing video for YouTube, chop it up and put it on Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Um, you know, if you really want to market your project and, and get across to the right people, you have to know your audience, know your platform on TikTok. That means stupid memes and trends on Twitter. <clears throat> it means threads and short form videos uh, in the Twitter format and on YouTube. Uh, you know, generally you have to actually build a, an audience there and that's a lot more tough. But, you know, I feel like you really have to know who you're targeting and work with the right people. I mean, I've had to connect a lot of brands and creators together. And, you know, I think it has to be a good match, but the best matches work really well. What are some of the challenges that you faced as an influencer and maybe not even specific to crypto? Um, like you said, you've, you've kind of just been a business guy since you were, you know, a little teeny bopper. Um, and so you've been an influencer in a lot of different industries, but really you've stuck around in crypto. So what are some challenges to, to becoming an influencer just for anybody who's out there that want, might want to be an influencer of shoes or an influencer of, you know, PC products? Sure. I mean, I'd say the biggest thing is is knowing uh, how to create viral content, because once you know how to create viral content, you mm. can go anywhere and do it. OK, you know, yeah, my, my exactly. second business or third, technically, that I've started and you're seeing the results of it back there uh, is in the Pokemon industry. Very separate from crypto. Uh, I like it because it's like gambling and I have a crippling gambling mm -hmm. addiction. So I love opening Pokemon cards. You know, it's so fun. My roommates, they love doing it because um, they, they're super into Pokemon. It's a nice little matchup. And so we run Cardfinity. And Cardfinity, I just started, you know, I posted maybe 20 TikToks. We're, we're already 1,000 followers. We're, you know, we've gotten 800,000 views already with one video reaching over half a million. So creating viral content, I think, is really, really important and getting to understand how to do that multiple times it, to ensure mm -hmm. repeated success. Um, and then I would following that, I would say building community because authenticity is really important if you're going to build a platform of any kind and being able to build a community is super important, you know, to do that. So it goes hand in hand. Those are the two biggest things for me. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi video lock, a smart lock, a 2k camera and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. 
And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months, but don't worry when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy video lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have and it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. When I you always build wanted your- to build like a, a coin crate product where every month we could just like deliver a brand new basket of shit coins to someone's wallet. But um, after further research, that would be a huge SEC violation. So I'm jealous <laughs> yeah. to open up packs of cards. And uh, it's such a fascinating thing, like doing unboxing, but we can't do anything like that in crypto just yet. Yeah. But, it's, uh, I've, yeah I've, awesome. I've looked into doing some web three aspects to Cardfinity and we're, we might do some cool stuff with NFTs uh, tied to physical items later this year. Um, but I've yet to, to start that because it's just such a process, uh, and I want to do it the right way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Um, so when you think about like, you know, Bitcoin, um, relative to everything else, there's Bitcoin and then there's the altcoins and the NFTs and the meme coins and all that stuff. D- does your audience and, you know, generation, do you guys think Bitcoin's something special or unique or do people kind of laugh at it and they're like, there's not that much value there because you can't really boomer coin. Ah, well, you know what? There's like a spectrum, right? <clears throat> you know, there's people who are <clears throat> just into crypto who think it's like the coolest new tech. You know, there's people who are really into crypto and are like, okay, it's a boomer coin, but it's important. Uh, and then there's people who are not into crypto at all who are like, uh, you know, I hate Bitcoin or, or, yo, uh, eh, I don't know. It's skeptical. You know, and so like, I feel like, uh, but I've, most young people I think are very accepting of Bitcoin, um, and 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 most of them see it as an opportunity rather than uh, something to be frowned upon. Uh, there's definitely, I think, some pushback from people, especially uh, who who resist the commodification of, of 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 NFTs and gaming, which there's a huge community that doesn't like that. Um, yeah. But I think for like crypto itself, people understand why it's important, right? Uh, we're just mm-hmm. kind of waiting for, I suppose, the the more you know, uh, experienced people in life to to hop on that train. Although you know, like I said, my mom put me on that, and she's sixty. So shout out to her. Yeah. No. W- one of the interesting trends that I see, like you know, in financial advising, they need to um, you know basically tell their clients what assets to put it in. You're putting it in stocks and bonds and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I do feel like the younger generation is going is, is so much more accepting to digital assets than you know the, the older generation. And then if you think about it, uh, I read an article the other day, there's a $68 trillion uh, inheritance, essentially, over the course of the next 25 years, uh, inheritance from uh, millennials um, that they're inheriting from the baby boomers. And so there's like just a natural trend shift, right? Where people are going, you know, the, the money shifting from the hands of the boomers 
the millennials and there's going to be a lot more demand for crypto going forward. I think that's one of the, the base cases for cryptos that there's just uh, a growing generation of people who are much more accepting of it. Um, and so the, the trend is the trend is your friend, essentially. And, and that's one of the bull cases um, that there's just a natural demand curve. But when, when you think about some of the, the things that make you bullish over the next 10 or 20 years, what, what gets you really bricked up? I mean, I think the easiest answer is a spot ETF, right, for Bitcoin. Um, that's super yep. big, right? But I think yep. if, we can ha- if we can have positive regulation uh, that doesn't crush the innovation, I think we can see really a blossoming and revolution in crypto uh, because right now people are just getting scammed too much. Honestly, that's kind of why uh, we're facing a lot of pushback. And to, to alleviate that issue, to educate the, the public is very important. Uh, but also, I think we're entering a period of, of, of very tumultuous times. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure you guys know how bad the economy is right now, inflation and all that. And for young people, it's impossible for them to sort of generate any kind of wealth uh, without several side hustles uh, or being the exception like like I am. I'm incredibly blessed to be where I am today. I thank you know God every day. Um, but it's it's really tough out there. And so I think people see crypto as a way out. And I hope that that continues to be seen that way because I'm very tired of, you know, traditional finance. And I think alternative investments, whether it be collectibles, NFTs uh, or crypto, will outperform the vast majority of traditional markets uh, if we continue to see the world go the way it is. And that's just my opinion. Uh, It's just kind of how I feel about it. Others may disagree. That's a really good take. Where do you go to research to learn a lot of the stuff that you know? I know, you know, Bryce and I got started similarly around uh, the same time you did, Bryce, a little bit before. Um, And we didn't have, like, YouTube channels to go to to learn stuff. You know, it was – and, like, the community's answer to anything was do your own research. It's like, well, how? How do you do your own research? So if someone's just getting started and they're transitioning from the gambling phase where they're holding meme coins or dog uh, coins, but they want to transition from being a gambler to an investor – where are some good places that they can go start to research and actually learn some of this stuff? What good educational tools can you recommend? Yeah, you know, it's we've come a long ways, man, since the, the days of just 4chan and Twitter and Reddit. Um, those are still great resources now. Uh, you just got to be, you know, knowing where to go. Obviously, shameless self-plug here. Kryptonite, the Kryptonite YouTube channel is a great place, guys. You know, shoot us a follow uh, over there for uh, more long, long, long form videos, podcast clubs, interviews, a little shameless plug, but, um, no, for real, I really do think that there are good resources on YouTube. Um, you know, I really, I really good friends with crypto, Wendy, O, altcoin daily. Um, you know, they're two fantastic people. You know, Alex Becker is pretty good. Uh, coin bureau is relatively unbiased, I think, uh, and a good place for people to start. But again, keep in mind, everyone's going to have biases. So just, Walking into that, just realize that um, I really enjoy I really enjoy some of the uh, white papers that you know uh, white project release white papers can be a little complicated, but usually they're they're broken down by community members on specific Reddit posts and forums, um, and you know even back in the day slash biz on 4chan was where I found Chainlink, yeah. so maybe not maybe not maybe don't go there, but yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't OGs, advise listeners to go there. No, that was that was a uh, that was a place of degeneracy and. Uh, just something else. But you know what? It's where I found Chainlink, so I got I to gotta pay respects to it. Yeah, Chainlink was born there. Um, 
man, in, in, incredible stuff. Now, if you think about like some of the hot projects, and again, you know, none of this is financial advice and uh, any, any of that kind of stuff, but what ecosystems are, are hot uh, in your corner of the world? Are you guys on any particular ecosystem? What do you guys like? I like to jump from ecosystem to ecosystem. I just go where the, the tech and the money is, which is why I track TVL, um, you know, volume, average transaction cost, uh, or sorry, average transaction amount uh, to kind of tell where the money's flowing, right? And so, mm. you know, Arbitrum did really well for a while. Uh, but right now I'm really getting super into some of these new ecosystems because I've been talking to the projects. So like the internet computer ecosystem, super, super bullish on that. Uh, I really love their tech. I think they have a lot of potential. But again, it's a gamble to bet on them like, like anything is. Um, same thing with Radix, uh, like I mentioned before. Although, you know, anything but Solana or Cardano. I'll just say that. Interesting take. All right. Well, yeah. Could you expand on that last point? Any anything but Solana and Cardano? What what's the uh, what's the reason? Uh, that's half a joke. I don't mind Cardano, uh, but I think <laughs> Solana is pretty pretty centralized VC garbage. I've been calling it mid forever, and uh, I felt very vindicated when it finally shit the bed. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you are. Uh, only a couple years away from really being able to do whatever you want in life. And I mean, whatever you want. Your businesses are going to be able to be ran on autopilot. You're going to have more money than you can count in a multitude of different currencies with the way yeah. things are headed. Still you a know, few years, years away from being able to rent a car in the States. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't do that yet. <laughs> but the, the point I'm getting at is what are your real dreams and goals? Like when you're fully empowered to do literally anything you want in this world, what do you want your impact and your legacy to be? That's a great question. And uh, I'm still figuring out what I really want to do with the rest of my life. Um, I just know that I really like building cool things with cool people. And I think I'm always going to do that. No matter whether it's big or small, I think it's just I have to do something. I'm like a shark. Sharks have to keep swimming or they sink. Right. And so it's very similar with me. Um, maybe maybe I'll have some more time to, to you know, go go live in the country and be away from people for times but uh no i really i really like empowering people to be their best selves that's my that's really what like makes me the happiest is like i'm a very loving and caring person and i love to see people do do good things and succeed um so i would really love to get into sort of micro loans um and and sort of uh, entrepreneurship guidance and 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 maybe even ethical vcs because i don't think a lot of vcs are very ethical um, and so I'd love to do something along the lines of that to empower more entrepreneurs to have an effect in their community and environment outside of Web3, too. Um, I've been doing micro loans on, on the platform called Kiva for many years, and I think it's super cool uh, and needs a Web3 version. Yeah, I've actually never heard of Kiva. Um, tell us a little bit more about what micro loans are and has that been a way that you could generate passive income or anything? Uh, no, it's just a, mostly a tax write-off for really rich people. It's not like super well-known, but um, you get to actually empower entrepreneurs in other countries. Oh, there's Jonah. Jonah, I'm on a podcast. Oh, he's bringing right. Starbucks. Jonah. What's Jonah. up, brother? No. Thanks, bro. No, no. He's Jonah. one of my, he's one of my fantastic uh, team members over here. Thanks, bro. Hey. I, I wish I got a coffee delivery in the middle dude, of a podcast. That would be awesome. That was look sick, that wasn't thing. it? Look at that. Yeah, look at that. Dude, he hooked me up. I bet there's even an espresso <laughs> shot in there. That's crazy, man. Fantastic. Um, so where was I? Oh, yeah. So you can empower entrepreneurs from other places around the world um, who need maybe an $800 loan to get more fertilizer for their crops to double their yield or who are opening a small store in their community. 
Um, and it's a way because, you know, charities actually can be actually very damaging for local communities. Like, like with those Tom's shoes, you buy a pair of shoes, they ship a pair to somebody, you know, who needs them in Africa or whatever. You're putting the shoemaker out of business. It's ridiculous. Um, mm -hmm. And you're hurting the local economy by making them dependent on foreign aid. And I don't believe in that. I don't want to help. I don't want to give people what they need. I want to give them the tools to get them where they need to be by themselves. And I think that's really what makes me happiest. And so I want to find ways of doing that. And that's just one way of doing that. Yeah. No, I love it, man. Um, so I, I kind of want to talk back to TikTok. I was just thinking, um, I saw the other day there was a potential ban on TikTok that like lawmakers yep. are touting. What's your, what's your take on that? You have a quick take? Well... We can choose who we want to sell our data to, but it's going to be sold anyways. Uh, and they just want American companies to own our data and not China, you know. But, I mean, they did yeah. let that weather balloon get across the entire continent of the United States before shooting it down. So I don't know how uh, how serious they are. But, look, you know, if TikTok does get banned, I fully expect it to be sold, like, to an American company or something um, or a clone to appear shortly after. And uh, I truly believe that, you know, yeah. it would be a huge devastating blow to me. But I think I'd recover, and I encourage, I encourage the challenge if it happens. Do you ever see um, like traditional finance, or if you do, how do you see traditional finance outlets like CNBC and Bloomberg and Fox Business and stuff merging with crypto media? Um, do you think that they'll ever be able to really nail it, or is it going to be like just startups like yourself that kind of take over? I mean, I've been I've been on CNBC, NBC, Business Insider, uh, Wall Street Journal, and some of them have a, a deeper understanding of it. It depends on who the journalist is. Um, mm. Obviously, right now, our quality of journalism in, in America is pretty bad, I think. Yeah, pretty much no, no matter which industry you look in. It's pretty rough, man. I think they're pretty good at sports scores. That's like the only thing. The <laughs> only thing. Um, and even then, I don't think the Bills should have been out of the games that early, but... Um, you know, when it comes to crypto media, there's just a lot of lack of understanding from a lot of people. So they're relying on others to kind of tell them what's up. Uh, and sometimes those people aren't educated. I, I hope that we, as the industry evolves, more reporters become more sort of educated in the space. And I think they're really getting there. I think they're trying. You know, I'm, I mean, I've interviewed, been interviewed by several people and, and they were very eager to learn. So hopefully that trend continues. What do you think some of the biggest misunderstandings are, not just from a media perspective, but maybe uh, the viewer as well? What do we need to do a better job as as educators in this space mm. to clear up? So Good one question. of the one of the things that really grinds my gears lately is seeing people who are discussing the collapse of FTX, Celsius, BlockFi, um, all of the, the crypto framework here. And it was and, and they're not specifying. And this is what really makes me mad is people are assuming that this is a scam that crypto is a scam but it's centralized institutions that failed and people are doing such a poor job of getting that across i'm like it's driving me insane um, people still believe that like genuinely yeah if you pulled somebody off the street you know yeah. and they're oh that crypto stuff oh it's i've heard all that oh it's all collapsing in the news you know it's like no one's getting across the point that these are centralized institutions and like DeFi actually functions that's yeah. really, it's just right now, that's such a frustrating thing for me. No, I feel it. Um, to me, it's it's one of those things where I, I've had interactions like that in the past where, where people are like, hey, you know, that they they fell down. But then I always explain like, well, that's centralized. That's fraud. Uh, that's in any industry. But DeFi was built to really 
eradicate that, like make it impossible for that to happen. And then if you look at like when Celsius was going down, um, they, they, their loans got liquidated on Ave and, and those uh, lenders got paid back first, right? Like the decentralized lenders got paid back first. Um, Ave, you know, was, was able to kind of, and MakerDAO um, and Compound, all these systems kind of worked throughout the liquidation and throughout the collapse. Um, and they're not creditors on, um, you know, Celsius's bankruptcy, for instance, right? I mean, they were able, and, and so it just goes to prove that like the system worked. And it makes me, all that being said, it makes me more bullish on the future of DeFi having, you know, this thrown at it and it withstood it. And what it doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I guess I could have said that. Mm, but yes, um, yes yeah, it makes you no. bullish. I think this is also the flip side is true also because. This, the, the current systems don't want crypto to be seen as a viable alternative. So I kind of want to say, you know, it might work against it a little bit because people don't understand that, um, which yeah. is like, which is why I'm here, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right. Pizza Mind, what do you think? Do you think that if you were to straddle that line, uh, is crypto here to stay or is it going to get regulated out of existence? I think the media narrative actually hurts us that are crypto natives as well because they're not telling the story that's happening on the other side of the fence. And if I didn't go to Money 2020 last year and step into the lion's den, I never would have known that that fence has actually been broken down and removed. Mm. The smartest money in TradFi is all in on crypto, but not so much for a lot of stuff we look at, but they look at the blockchain and transparency aspect they look at the ability for the first time to have on-chain credit where you're not looking at these vanity metrics that can't really be tracked or calculated, but you can actually see transaction history and judge people based off of collateral that they're owning. And this opens up trillions of dollars of new liquidity that, that's going to be coming to places like Latin America where the handful of bad actors have literally ruined it for everyone else. And being able to easily exclude those bad actors from the space after a short onboarding process and discovery period is going to make life drastically different and drastically better for everybody else who does want to play by the rules. So I could see over a trillion dollars just coming into the stablecoin industry and being available for loans and microloans, like what Lucas was talking about earlier, just focused on emerging markets. And that's already in the planning right now. I've spoken with Bank of Brazil. I've spoken with Bank of America um, and several others. Credits, for example, is going to be a huge, huge hub for that kind of movement. So it's all coming, but very, very quietly. And in fact, I heard uh, something called Provenance, which is a blockchain that's actually live now. I've never heard a single influencer ever mention it by name. But all around Money 2020, that was the only layer one that I heard mentioned that they were building on. Interesting. Well, yeah, I love it. Uh, RWAs, I think it's going to be a big theme, real world assets. I know Larry Fink, who is the CEO of BlackRock, he said the future of securities is tokenization. Uh, that's pretty much as clear as day. Um, anyhow, I want to end it with a quick hot take. Um, anything in the crypto market that you're looking at that you think is uh, maybe one of the next big things or the next big trend? Uh, what kind of gets you again uh, go excited, lo looking forward over the course of the uh, the springtime, if you will? Sure. Short term, I think we're going to see a lot of projects that we're building in the bear market uh, launch. Um, I'm seeing that even now. I'm getting increased deal flow uh, through a lot of the early stage project, you know, 
Telegram chats I'm in. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of new projects. I'm not sure what trend is going to be developing. I would say watch watch a lot of the launch pads for commonalities and themes. I'm still mm. undecided. Um, but I am going to make a, a long-term prediction because I have one I've been working on, and I want to come back and see if it works Gary V style. We'll see, right? <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's put it on the books. So I really think there's going to be a split after regulations between unregulated DeFi and regulated DeFi, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing here. There's going to be like two separate almost markets for these projects because I think things like Uniswap will eventually require an ID and things like that. But I think there's going to be a version of Uniswap that doesn't and it leans even more into decentralization. And so in the next couple of years, I'm really looking for that separation of projects, the ones that are going to play with play ball with the SEC and the ones that mm -hmm. don't. And I'm very excited to see which ones don't. That's my uh, big prediction. Hmm. Fascinating. Uh, that's a pretty good take, actually. Uh, before we let you go, though, I want to actually open up the floor to you and ask you, is there anything that we should have asked you but didn't? Or do you have any questions that you want to ask of us? Um, to answer your first one, I mean, I'll answer anything. I mean, there's no bad question. There's no there's no must-have questions. I think this is really fun. You guys are uh, really cool. And I'm, I'm just happy I got to come on. I'm always down to meet, uh, you know, some crypto friends. And uh, as far as, uh, you know, for you guys, I mean, what do you guys think is, like, the big, like, what what's the big thing that's going to happen this year? FTX was last mm -hmm. year. I want to see what you guys' predictions are. We'll come back and watch them. You know, we'll do another yeah. one in a year. I, I think I think uh, the original meme coin is going to make a return, and that original meme coin is Litecoin. Uh, and right now, yeah, Litecoin's about a hundred bucks. It's the year of the Litecoin having coming up in six months. Um, you know, historically, it's it's a really bullish sort of tailwind. I, I think Litecoin could could maybe double this year. Oh, um, could double. Well, double. Bryce is either going to lose his mind or lose his wallet, one way or the other. <laughs> uh, Not financial advice, year. but you know, <laughs> I've got exp I've got long exposure to to, to, uh, to LTC. I, I think, think I've got a couple I might have forgotten about in our old hardware wallet. Yep, we'll see if I can you know go out to dinner. <laughs> I think um, you know, just circling back to the regulation stuff. Uh, you may not know how right you are. One of the things that I did get away from a little birdie at Money 2020 is that new regulations are already done and they're just waiting for the right political climate to announce and begin rolling them out. Um, but they sounded good rather than bad. So as we know, politics is all a charade. And I think once clear guidelines are given, which is what everyone's been asking for, and we'll play by the rules. Just tell us what they are, for Christ's sake. I think that's finally going to come down the pipe this year. Ooh. Actually, to interject, a good friend of mine is the founder of the, the largest lobbying firm in Florida called the Florida Blockchain Business Association in the crypto industry. And we just did a show with him. Um, really funny guy. Good friend. His name's Samuel Arms. I really encourage you guys to uh, go watch the second show we're putting out with him where we really dive deep into some of his experiences. But... Um, you know, we've been down in Tallahassee. We've gotten proactive legislation passed at the state level. Uh, and that's why Florida continues to be a shining star uh, for a lot of blockchain and crypto stuff. I mean, shout out to them. Truth. Wow. I love it. Yeah, I know that the uh, uh, Mayor Suarez of Miami is pretty, pretty down with crypto. Um, but to I a, a, to a fault. 
to a to fault. A fault. Yeah, maybe he got it a little over his head. Dude, I remember being at the, the when they opened the Bitcoin Center, and I was right next to him when he cut the ribbon. I got a video of it somewhere. Oh wow, um, that's yeah, cool. that was super cool. That was 2019, back in the before times. Wow. Holy smokes! Yeah, well, I, I get, get around, man. Started. I get around. Yeah, you've been around. You've been around the block. Um, well, good stuff, dude. Well, Lewis, I hope you come back on the show here sometime again soon. Um, you know, we'll catch up on our predictions and, uh, yeah, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, man, for sure. Thanks for having me on guys. This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.